we've been uh, we've been talking about this living water for a few weeks now. I just want you to hear from my heart. You you don't have to be in an altar to take a drink. You don't have to be in an altar to sense His presence. You don't have to be in this building. I need you to hear from me that He's available and that He longs to sit with you and talk with you and He longs for you to just bask in His presence because He's so good. He's so good. I'm a little overwhelmed. I, uh, when I see people hungry like you guys were this morning, and it just, just feels like revival to me. Yeah. And it's something we've been asking God for. We, you, you might not realize this, but we baptized more people in one day last week than we ever have in our history. And, and seeing what, what God is doing in lives, and even in the midst of struggle, how God's making himself real. Man, I'm, I'm just telling you guys, I, I just, I'm just wondering what God's up to. So may, maybe we just need to get out of his way and let him do what he wants to do. and let him. Uh, we've been asking God for years to, to make this place a city on a hill in this community. And uh, could, could it be that, that, that that's... God's starting to answer that prayer in a way like he never has. And I'm just, I'm very excited about what he's doing. I'm very excited about what he's up to. (sighs) So we're finishing this series today. And when I titled this, this, today's message, I I don't think I really understood it until about 10 minutes ago. We call today's message, It's a New Day. Anybody need a new day? Yeah, right. Come on, somebody. Every day. John chapter 7. And uh, if you got your bulletin, um, I want you to kind of hang out because we're going to be in that passage that's at the top of your bulletin the whole time we're we're together this morning. If you don't have a bulletin, you want to flip to your your Bibles to John chapter 7 and leave those open on your device or if you got a Bible in your hand. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Lord, I I pray that those words become true in all of our lives. That we would hear your voice. That we'd believe in you. And that that living water would flow from within us until the day we see your face. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. All right, got to give you a little history lesson. Is that all right? Will you hang with me for a little history lesson? So he says, on the last and greatest day of the festival. Let me tell you what this festival was. It's actually a festival that still goes on today. It was called the Feast of or the Festival of Tabernacles. Festival of Tabernacles. Some... uh, some parts of Jewish culture calls it the festival of booths. Booths. Now you're looking at me with blank stares. 
So I'm going to tell you what the Festival of Booths are. Um, there's going to be a picture up on the screen of a booth. There's a booth. So even to this day, what Jewish culture does is during the Festival of Tabernacles, they recreate in their homes a tabernacle. And this is what was going on even when Jesus was speaking these words. That around their homes, they would make a booth or a tabernacle. Uh, some folks would even, that had flat roofs, would set it up on their, on their roof, a tabernacle. And here's what it reminded them of. It reminded them of the time when the, the, the Jewish people were leaving Egypt, headed to the promised land, and God traveled with them in a portable tabernacle. And so what they did is they set these tabernacles up on an eight-day feast to remind them of when God walked with them through the desert. All right? You with me? And it's still going on today. And it reminded them that of a time when God was near. It reminded them of a time when God was near. I wonder if, if maybe you're in the room and you remember a time when God was near. Maybe you don't feel like He's as near as He used to be. Can I tell you? <laughs> he, never, he never left. Every day during this festival... They would take in a golden pitcher water from the pool of Siloam and take it to the altar at the temple and pour this water on the altar from the pool of Siloam in a big golden pitcher. And this is important. I want you to get this because sometimes we read scripture and we don't understand the context and we don't understand how, how something that was seemingly insignificant can be so powerful. So there, for seven of the eighth day, of the eight days, they take this pitcher, golden pitcher, dip it in the pool of Siloam in Jerusalem, and pour it on the altar. And it reminded them of when God provided water in a desert land as they're traveling. But on the eighth day, there's no water. They don't pour the water on the eighth day. You know what they do on the eighth day? They pray for water. So on this eighth day, the Jewish people in their festival are praying for water. And Jesus stands up and says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. See, the Jewish people at this time were stuck. They were, it was as if Jesus was saying, You've been living in your past long enough. It's a new day. Jewish people were stuck in their past. And so my question for you is, are you stuck? Are you stuck in, in, in sin? Are you stuck in resentment? Are you stuck in depression? Are you stuck? you just stuck. You've stopped growing. Your Christianity's become this thing that just, you're just going through the motions. And I want to tell you, you don't have to live there. It's new day. You don't have to live there. And I can tell you from experience, y'all. Y'all have heard all of my stories. I've forgotten which ones I've told and which ones I haven't. But I remember being stuck. I remember how miserable it was to stand on a stage every Sunday and sing of the goodness of God and, and, and not mean a word of it. It'd just be cold. Just be words. Just be music 
I didn't mean it. I was stuck. I was stuck. I can take you to the spot. I'm riding around I-285, right at Roswell Road. And it was as if Jesus sat down in the, in the front of my ranger and said, Son, I love you too much to, keep, to let you keep going like this. Get in or get out. So if you're stuck, I need you to hear me. It's a new day. It's a new day. You know why? Because here's the living water makes all things new. All things new. But you don't understand what I'm going through. All things new. I need you to hear this. There's nothing you're walking through that the living water can't make new. There's nothing you're dealing with that the living water can't make new. When you don't understand my sin, he can redeem it. You don't understand this, this, my old carnal man that I'm living with. You know what? He can kill him and raise him from the dead. Come on, somebody. You don't understand I'm at a dead end. How about God make a brand new road at, at, the, at the end of your dead end? And, and listen, maybe you're hearing me and you're thinking, well, Dwayne, that just sounds like a lot of religious platitudes. I'm, I'm telling you, this is the kind of God we serve. He makes all things new. <laughs> I, I love this passage in Revelation. Revelation 21 says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home, God's tabernacle is now among his people. How many are you glad you don't have to set up a booth in your backyard? How many are glad that any time you call his name? You know, listen, I, I'm not about, I'm not about all just, just being in an environment where the hair stands up on the back of my neck. And, and you know, I remember going to church and where if something like that didn't happen, then, then you weren't at church. And I, so I'm not about that. I'm not about all the emotions and all the feelings. But I sure, I sure do love to feel it. Uh, listen, I don't base my faith on a feeling. But man, it sure feels good, doesn't it? When you know that you're standing in God's presence. And listen, you don't have to be here. Some of the most powerful moments I've had with God have been right by myself. Goes on to say, He will live with them. They'll be His people. God himself will be with them. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow, crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Verse 5, listen. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Then he said to me, Write this down, for what I'm telling you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I, I, I had to get here. To all who are thirsty, I give freely from the springs of the water of life. Are you thirsty? And then Jesus, if you, if you keep reading that passage, we, we started off with it. Jesus stood and said with a loud voice. With a loud voice. Now, if, if you follow the teachings of Jesus, we, we tend to believe that most of his conversation, apart from a few sermons, were in small groups or, you know, there were times when he fed the 5,000. I'm sure he had to speak up a little bit then. 
But in this, in this moment, he said with a loud voice, with a loud voice. Uh, listen, God's speaking to some of you with a loud voice this morning. And here's what you need to know. You need to write this down. The living water demands your attention. Please hear me. God's not going to be an afterthought. God does not want to be added to your busy schedule. See, I've been, I've been doing this a little while, and here's what I've learned. It doesn't matter if you're dealing with a 14-year-old or a 104-year-old. The same thing can be said true of all of us. And I bet everyone in this room has had a moment when your relationship with God, Jesus is out on the periphery. And I'm going to tell you, that's not where he belongs. Isn't it? And by periphery, I mean, you know, the, the things on the, on the outside of, it, of, your, uh, of your things that you would call important. You know, like, like my golf game is way out here on the periphery because I'm not very good. <laughs> I, I like to play. And, uh, oh, by the way, I was also on the winning team, so, you know, but, but whatever. Uh, but, you know, if, if I made my living playing golf, it'd be a little more central, wouldn't it? Yeah. All right. So oftentimes Jesus is out here on the periphery. In other words, hey, when I need you, I'll let you know. Oh, I'll, I'll see you Sunday. L- listen to me. If, if that's you, I'm, you, you guys know me. I'm not judging you, here, but I'm, I'm imploring you because that was me. But the day I started moving him toward the center, things started changing in my life. Jesus doesn't want, because he loves you so much, he don't want to be out here. He wants to be the central figure of your life. And if you'll filter every other part of your life through the person of Jesus Christ, all the other stuff will find its level. And I don't know how that happens. It just does. When I put Jesus first, my finances work, my family works, my eternity most of all works. See, my eternity makes sense now because I put Jesus in the center. I couldn't always say that. I was like, man, I hope I'm okay. Maybe none of y'all ever laid awake going, man, I hope the trumpet don't sound tonight because I'm not sure I'm ready. Y'all don't know nothing about not being ready. But I did. And I remember, I remember going, my grandmother telling me about the rapture, and that scared the snot out of me. And I remember going home, and I don't know why this helped, but for some reason I felt better if I just pulled the covers up around my neck. I was like, oh, Lord, please, I don't. I'm just, listen, y'all, I don't worry about that anymore. You know why? Because I'm not saying I don't have bad days, and I don't, but, but now more than ever in my life, he's in the center. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you'll move to the center, all the other stuff will find its level. Yeah. Therefore God, Philippians chapter 2 said it this way, Therefore God elevated him to the highest honor and gave him the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, weren't we just singing about that name? At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. You're going to give him attention. In heaven and on earth, and every tongue declare that you're going to worship him. How about let's choose to do it now? <laughs> and then Jesus said, 
in a loud voice. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. So here's what I want you to write down. The living water is for the thirsty. Well, Dwayne, well, that's brilliant. <laughs> See, I, I, I've talked to you before that, that the call of Christ and the blessings of God are, are both exclusive and inclusive. It's any, inclusive, and the invitation was broad because he said anyone, right? And, and listen, that means that it doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like, your intelligence, your ad- education, your, what you do for a living, your address, what you drive, anyone. But it's narrow because he said, but you got to be thirsty. Some of us aren't pursuing the living water because we've quenched our thirst on other things. Is that hard? We've quenched our thirst on, and listen, everything else. Everything else is dead water and temporary. I I bet if I asked you to raise your hands, I bet a lot of people in this room would, would testify that there was a time in your life when you tried to quench your thirst with dead water and it just didn't last. Just didn't last. <laughs> See, thirst, thirst is nothing. Do you know that? Thirst is nothing but an indicator. Thirst is nothing but an indicator. It's a crying need. Thirst is nothing. It's a lack of something. Right? You don't know you're thirsty until you're thirsty. And the problem is, we, we, don't, we don't think about being thirsty until we're thirsty. And the problem is, as we, as we fill our lives with dead water, all of a sudden we, we forget our need of Christ. And, and listen, sometimes, sometimes dead water looks like good things. It looks like a career. It, it looks like a, a, a 401k. It looks like a retirement account. It looks like, uh, you know, we could go on and on and on. But what, what happens if bef- before we, we drink any of that water, we take a sip from the well that is only Jesus and put him first, chase him centrally it, it it just that thirst is quenched in such a way that all the other thirsts are satisfied I, I don't know how it works but david did david said it like this oh god you are my god i earnestly search for you my soul thirsts for you my whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water i'm going to tell you we live in a dry land in this this world uh, listen, I love my life. And when I stand here and say this, talk about this world, I'm, I, listen, I, I love my life. And I bet you do too. And I, 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 I love my family and I love this church and I love my friends. But there's something about this world that we live in that will leave you dry and parched. 
How about let's drink of the living water? Isaiah said it this way. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money. Guess what? If you got some money, you don't have enough. But you don't need it. Isn't that good news? And then Jesus said, whoever believes in me. Whoever believes in me. And we'd like to think that that's some intellectual belief. And it's not. The Bible says that even the, the demons believe and tremble. So it's, it's, it's something different. It's a Greek word, pisteo. It's the same word in John 3.16. Whoever believeth in me shouldn't perish. It's, it's this confident trust. It's a following of. So you can write this down. The living water can be trusted. All right, I got to tell you a story. Going to take you back a little. Anybody in here born after 1985, wave at me. All right, so 1985, Daytona Beach, Florida, me and my newly engaged fiance go to see a movie. 1985 in Daytona Beach, Florida, we go to see Back to the Future. Anybody see Back to the Future? And then we went, some, some years later, we saw Back to the Future so back to the future 2 will depress you when i tell you this story and remind you of it back to the future 2 they go from 1985 to mid 1980s and they fast forward to the future where there's hoverboards and flying cars want to know what year that was that they fast forwarded to 2015 anybody come here today on a hoverboard didn't think so so the story is, and, and, and here's, a, here's a picture of Marty McFly holding Gray's Sports Almanac. And the story goes in Back to the Future 2 that the antagonist, Biff, gets his hands on Gray's Sports Almanac and goes back from 2015 to 1955, waits until 1958 when gambling's legal, and starts betting on sporting events that he already knows the outcome of and makes millions and millions of dollars because he knows the outcome. He's betting on something because he's read a book that he trusts. He's betting everything he has because he genuinely believes that that book's not going to let him down. I'm wondering if Biff had more confidence in Gray's Sports Almanac than we do the promises of God. I want you to listen to me. If Jesus said it, write it down. You can trust it. It'll happen. It's real. Yeah. If, and I, listen, your Bible's come under attack over the last few weeks and months and years and decades. But I'm just going to be traditional enough to tell you that if it's in that book, you can trust it. If God said he's got a plan for your life, he's got a plan for your life. If God said he'd never leave you or forsake you, I am pointing my finger a lot today. I don't know what that's about. If God said he'd never leave you or forsake you, guess what? You can write it down. That's going to happen. Jesus said, whoever believes in me. Do you believe? Is, is Jesus the central figure of your life? Do you trust in him enough to place Y'all ain't gonna like this analogy to, to go all in, place all your bets on him. 
listen, my life just didn't make sense until I pushed all the chips in and said, it's all you, Jesus. It's all, it's all or nothing. And see, that's what, that's what that word belief that Jesus said really means. It, it really means that you have a, enough trust and enough confidence in who he is and what he said he'd do and what he said he would continue to do and what he's going to do later and what he's going to do when he comes back to take you home that you have enough confidence and trust in all of that that you're willing to say, I'm all in. I hope that's you today. I hope you're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm leveraging all my bets. I, I had somebody ask me one time, they said, Dwayne, what if, what if, and they, they were not a believer, and it was before I went in ministry full-time, and I had shared my faith with this, with this man, and he said, what if, what if you spend the rest of your life pursuing this God? What if you spend the rest of your life serving him in your church, and when you die, it's just a dirt nap? I had, I had what I thought was a great answer. I said, well, you know, I mean, through my, my, my belief in Christ, I've met a, a beautiful woman. We didn't have kids at the time. I, I've got a good life. I've got great friends. I love my church. I'm, I'm, I've, I've had a happy life. And I think that's a pretty good answer because I turned around and said, well, but what if I'm right? You know, where does that leave you, by the way? I thought that was a pretty good answer. But, but here's how I'd answer that question today. Not worried about it. I'm confident enough. God's revealed himself to me enough that I, that's not even a thought in my mind. There is no way that there's not a God in heaven that loves me and gave himself for me. It's, it's as sure as I'm standing on this platform. I have that kind of confidence and trust in the Jesus that I've read about because I've talked to him. And listen, all this that we, I saw that this week. Now, how, is that because I'm smart? You know better. No. Because, because Jesus died, rose again, sent his spirit to live among us. I'm confident in the Jesus that said those words. I'm confident in the God who loved me and cannot fail. So confident in him that I trust him. So Jesus said these words. He said, whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Listen to me. The living water needs to flow. You know what happens when water doesn't flow? It gets stagnant and stale. When water doesn't flow, nasty things grow in it. Anybody ever walk by a stagnant pond? Smells awesome, doesn't it? Right? But what happens when there's inflow and outflow? Things live, don't they? Things grow. So what does that mean for me and you? What does that mean if, if we take a drink of the living water? How does it, how does it flow? Well, I'm, I think it flows in two ways. I think, first of all, it, it flows because we make sure that we're continually drinking fresh water. And please hear my heart. Y'all still love me if I just, just, just share like I, like I feel it in my heart? L listen to me. 
Coming to church once a month ain't enough. You can't drink enough water in an hour and 15 minutes to carry you for six weeks. Coming to church once a week isn't enough. You can't drink enough water in an hour and 15 minutes to last you seven days. You know what, what ought to be happening? You ought to be coming in this building on Sunday mornings and getting thirsty. And you ought to wake up tomorrow morning because the same Jesus that was present in this building, the same Jesus that walked in and among us in this altar will be present by your bed tomorrow morning. The same Jesus that, that you were you were praying with, with, with your children or your wife in this altar this morning will be present among you tomorrow. Yes. So why don't, why don't we leave here thirsty enough to get up in the morning and take a fresh drink? Yes. Spend time with the Lord. Open His Word. Talk to Him. Well, Dwayne, I don't know how to pray. Yes, you do. See, we've, we've tried to make it too complicated. Just talk to him like you talk to your best friend. Because he ought to be. And he will be. He says of himself he'd be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So the, the quickest way to get stagnant is to try to survive on what happens in this building. And I don't want that for you. So tomorrow, tonight, before you go to bed, take a drink. Matthew told me that I was right when I, I, I told this, I said this uh, the week one of Living Water that, you know, you're really supposed to drink before you get thirsty. Because if you wait till you get thirsty, you're probably already on your way to dehydration. So, so tonight, why don't you, before you go to bed, take a drink. Talk to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for the lives that you changed in our church this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for my crazy pastor. Uh, and I, 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 want, I, want to honor, I want to put you central in my life this next week. Help me to honor you this next week. I got stuff that, I, I'm, not, that I don't, I'm not aware of that I'm going to face this week, but God, you're well aware. Would you order my steps? I dare you to start praying like that uh, in the evening and in the morning and watch things change. It might seem like a brand new day. That's one way. So make, sure you, make sure you take a fresh drink. Day after day after day. There's another way. This afternoon at the restaurant, tomorrow at work or at school, you know what you're going to come in contact with? Thirsty people. So what if we, we keep the living water flowing by giving somebody else a drink? What if we keep the living water flowing by sharing the living water with somebody that's desperately thirsty? And, and listen, we've made sharing our faith so complicated, and it's not. I, the greatest illustration, the greatest analogy I've ever heard for, for our sharing our faith was it's just simply where one beggar tells the other beggar, where he found the bread. So maybe it could be 
where one thirsty person tells another thirsty person where he found the water. And oh, by the way, the water has a name. His name's Jesus. Mm. So what if, what if we end this series as a church, as a community, with with this in mind? I'm going to drink the living water. Not just on Sunday. I'm going to drink it every day. I'm going to drink fresh water every day. And every time God opens the door, I'm going to help somebody else take a drink. Two things happen then. Your life changes. Somebody else's life changes. Our community changes. I bet bet if I asked you to identify some thirsty people in your life, it wouldn't take you very long. Wouldn't take you very long at at all. You may live with somebody thirsty. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we are amazed at your presence. We stand before you, sit before you, kneel before you. It's thirsty people. God, thank you that we found living water in the person of Jesus. So God, forgive us of drinking dead water. Forgive us. Because we have. We've, we've tried to quench our thirst with so many things that are just temporary. We've tried to quench our thirst with so many things that we thought would be good. We thought would bring joy. But just left us parched. <laughs> so forgive us for trying to quench this God-given thirst with anything but the living water. And so from this day forward, what we want to do as individuals and as church is we want to drink from the well of living water day after day after day. Because your name is life. You break every stronghold. You shine through the darkness. And even in this moment, y'all, man, I just sense the Spirit of the Lord doing something powerful in someone's heart, someone's life, someone's family. I want you to, just for a moment, I know it's time to go, but just for a moment, I just want you to talk to Jesus, just right where you're sitting. And maybe today, you could say that 
your, your walk with Jesus, he's sort of been out on the periphery. Today, you, you've recognized that you need to place him central. And that your pursuit of Christ needs to be your center focus. So why don't we just take a couple minutes, just in the, in the silence of this moment, and just talk to the Lord. Maybe there's a hurt that you need Christ to heal. Maybe there's a circumstance you need Christ to intervene. Maybe there's a problem you need Christ to solve. Maybe there's a sin that you need Christ to forgive. Maybe there's an eternity. And see, honestly, that's, that's the crux of the matter. Honestly, everything else is, is, is peripheral. What, what's really important is our eternity. And maybe there's an eternity that you need to secure. He's big enough. He shed his blood on the cross of Christ to purchase your sin and mine. So I just want you to take a moment and just talk to Him. Surrender what you need to surrender to Christ this morning. Lord, we love You. Bow our hearts in silent surrender to the One who loved us and gave His life for us. Jesus, we make You central. You are our center focus. We put you first. Seek your kingdom, your righteousness, your way. And we know that all the other things find its own level. Give you our eternity. Take our sin. We give you our families. We give you our anxiety and our depression and our addictions. We lay them at the foot of the cross. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Before you leave, I would, I would love if you'd give me this honor. So many of you are in this altar today. I'd, I'd love if you'd just... And you can check that box that says pastoral staff only on your connection card and nobody sees that but me. I'd love to pray with you about whatever you're walking through. I'd love to, to talk to the Lord on your behalf. So if you just leave those prayer requests in that box and drop your, uh, drop your connection card in that box in the back, we'd love to pray for you. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Come on, give the Lord praise.